Welcome to lesson three um, today. We are going to pick up where we left off. I, I'm a bit concerned that we can't just pick up where we left off because <coughs> we were in the middle of a thought. So let me see if I can bring you up. This, this is going to be a little hard. Um, this is going to be a little hard to bring you up to date because this is a very big thought. Okay? So until we finish the thought, if we don't finish it, I have to keep going back and hopefully because we've got two weeks in between. So, what we, so let me go back to the beginning, <laughs> okay, on page one. And we, we looked at the fact that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All right, then we found out from John chapter one, and I'm turning over to page two now. <coughs> and yes, my book is the same as yours now. Hallelujah. Um, we then went on to um, look at John chapter 1. And we looked at the fact that Jesus Christ was the one that was involved in creation. And we looked at the fact that, it was, uh, that John actually identifies him not only having a beginning or not having a beginning in the sense that he was already in existence in the beginning. And also, as we go through the verses, in verses 14 and then 17, we've just started. In verses 14 and then 17, we find out that the Word became flesh and that that person was the person of Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? Okay. We also uh, then went on to look at, now let me just, I'm trying to just jump mountain tops here. Um, <coughs> We, 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 we looked at the fact that Jesus Christ existed in heaven long before he ever came to this earth in the form of a man. And we saw in John 3 and verse 13, he said, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. In fact, the New Living Translation said, For only I, the Son of Man, have come to earth and will return to heaven again. And I'm on page 2 at the bottom. Um, we then moved on, and I'm turning to page 4 now. It's the reason why in John 1.18, at the top of page 4, um, it says, No one has ever seen God, but His only Son, who is Himself God. Alright, so again, we're establishing the fact that Jesus Christ is God. Alright, that He existed well before everything here began. Do you understand? So these are some key thoughts. Uh, in John chapter 8, then we went to look at uh, verses 56 through 58, where Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Oh, that is going to make everybody mad. All right? We, when we get to John chapter 8, <laughs> we're going to see that uh, the crowd wanted to throw him off the cliff around then. But they always wanted to throw him off the cliff. Because he's always saying something to upset them. The reason that it always upset them was because... Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, but he didn't come to fulfill their law. Okay, they had changed so much by the time he got there, they couldn't recognize prophecy being fulfilled because other things had got in the way of what was truly to come. Amen. So we're, we're going to see all of that when we hit his actual life on earth. All right, then we, we moved to um, evidence of a time before Genesis 1 2, and that's towards the bottom of page 4. And we saw in Genesis 1 1, and I said this to you before, your salvation doesn't depend on whether you believe this or not, and I may not have got it right anyway. Okay? This is the best I can do. So let's just flow with this. Um, in Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, but it makes a great story. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. It, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says, the, and verse 2 is unusual in that it says that the earth was without form and void. Now, why wasn't heaven without form and void? If God created heavens and the earth, then how come just the earth is without form and void? It should have been both without form and void, and then God started creating both and fixing both. Uh, do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, this is it's unusual, the phraseology here. And I understand the thought behind it when people say, well, Genesis 1-1 is an introduction into the creation. God created the heavens and the earth, and then because we're on this earth, then he goes on to talk about the creation, the actual creation of the earth from verse 2 down. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to argue with that, okay? There's, that's a thought, and I'm giving that to you, okay? That's not a problem to me. However, when I look at the Bible in other places, remember you have to... Scripture with Scripture, always, you know. Uh, when I look in other places, like in Isaiah 45:18, which we looked at before, I'm on page 5 now, where it said, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, who did not create it in vain, or literally without form. It's the same word. But who formed it to be inhabited. So we have this funny statement in, on one hand, we said, we, we said that God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, in the very next verse, the earth was without form and void, or was formless. Then we have Isaiah saying, oh no, but it wasn't created that way. Hence confusion, okay? All right, now, here's the thing. Isaiah and Ezekiel are the two other prophets we're going to look at in, in today, hopefully, that are going to give us insight into something that happened before we came along. They seem to be prophets that could see into another realm and another time. That's pretty awesome, I think. Okay, So if they could do that, and here's my hypothesis. Or oh, somebody says, this is my hypotenuse. All right, <laughs> All right. Here's my hypothesis. If they could see into those realms, then maybe they saw into things that we don't have recorded in a sense, in Genesis. Do you understand? Moses wasn't that kind of, you know Moses wrote them, right? Yeah. All right, the five books, okay? Okay, I won't go through them. All right, but th these guys, it's incredible the things that God showed them. I, I think it's fascinating the way he would talk to them about things and they would record things down. It just fascinates me. Anyway, so, <coughs> see, and one other thing I want to say as well is that the Bible has things hidden for us, not from us. Do you understand? But we need to study. We need to be diligent and we need to look into things and we need to keep an open heart and an open mind. Are you all here? Okay, it takes a lot to, to actually read into some of these things and through, in, you know, through them in, in that you have to really let God just take you wherever he wants to take you. All right, and pray like crazy, it's God taking you there. All right, so <laughs> anyway, back to this. So we have this statement in Isaiah that seems to contradict this statement in Genesis. And I don't want to take too long because I really want to move forward with this. Then we, then we get to Hebrews 11.3 down the bottom of page 5, which says something very significant. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen are not made of the things which are, which are visible. Romans 4.17 explains, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. So this is God's mode of creation. He speaks, all right? Doesn't wave a wand. 
All right? Doesn't go hocus pocus. All right? He speaks and things come into being. All right? And so that's why we see Genesis 1:3 and God said. And that that phrase as I said and uh, God said is repeated 10 times in just Genesis chapter 1. All right? And it precedes every creation in that chapter. So that tells us something else. Every time God creates something, he'll speak something to existence. So if he's spoken something at any point in time, something came into existence. Can we agree with that? Okay, just follow me. All right. Now, <clears throat> all right. Other evidence that there was a time in there somewhere between Genesis 1 1 and 1 2 is found in Revelation chapter 12. I'm sorry, I just paused for a minute because I just want to make sure I want to actually go here. Uh, again, we're revising, and I'm sorry I have to take a little bit of time to revise, and I hope this is kind of helping you piece it all together, okay? So we're looking, we're, we're, we're really looking and asking the question, was there a time bef- between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2? Okay, because Genesis 1-1 is a statement that says the heavens and the earth were created. It was the beginning of all creation. Do you understand? But then, but then we jump somewhere and we suddenly get to Genesis 1-2 and things from Genesis 1-2, you can trace the timeline. Okay, the, the, uh, you can trace it. Uh, there's 4,000 years. You can trace the thing. I don't care what people say. There's basically 4,000 years, you know, and, and so on and so forth. It's there. Okay? Even NASA has done it. So, th- if, if the Bible then starts to talk about something else, if Jesus, for example, you know, Revelation 12.9 talks about an old serpent, as I've written there, you know, called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. When did that happen? Where is it recorded? Everything significant was recorded. Okay? We have, we have a biblical history in a sense. Now, Jesus also makes this intre- interesting statement in Luke 10.18. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. My question is to where? <laughs> okay? If he fell from heaven, he was falling to something. You can't fall from somewhere without going to something. Yeah. Are you all here? Okay, all right. All right, so that was the next question. Now we're almost there, okay? Because we left off on page 7. So let's now progress on to page 7. And in Luke chapter 4, this is where we actually left off. Okay? We see evidence, further evidence, that there was something going on in a time before we came here in what happened in this incident. Again, we look at these incidents when we actually get to the Gospels and are dealing with this, okay? But here it says, now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. What was it? A demon. Not an angel. Okay? Why do I make that point? Listen to why, what he says. Saying, let us alone, we have, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, interesting, this demon has identified him two ways. Jesus of Nazareth and the Holy One. Interesting, huh? He knew they were one and the same. Wow, alright. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Now, there's something now, let's pick up. This is where we left off, so I'm not skipping anymore, all right? 
There's something extremely significant in verse 34 when the demon says to Jesus, I know who you are. That is significant when you combine it with what Matthew chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 says, and that is when he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, okay, uh, there he met, excuse me, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. Let's make a great movie. I mean, you know, think about this. I don't know why the life of Jesus is so boring when you watch a lot of that stuff. And it's just so like, oh my God, you want to fall asleep a lot of times. To me, it just doesn't have the utzpah that it's meant to have. Okay? Can you imagine some of these things? Can you imagine the disciples? They go, Jesus, you all know where you're going? And we'll talk about this when we get there. We don't want to go there, man. That's... You know, it's one thing to be freaky and spooked out by a a, a cemetery, but there's somebody actually bad out there. There's an actual demon, two demon-possessed people there. And they're not nice. Okay? You can just, okay? And these these are violent people. Coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce. Notice that? So that no one could pass away, and suddenly they cry, watch what they cry out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Ooh, ooh. Here again, the duality. Jesus, the man part, son of God, the divine part. Interesting, isn't it? They know him as the man he has become. But they also know that's divine. That's God manifested in the flesh. I love that. And the question, have you come here to torment us before the time? No. What? And again, a question. All right? What have they done? When did they do it? All right? And what is it that they're saying that Jesus is going to, at one point in time, and we're going to look at that scripture as well, he's going to just say, shut up. Because he doesn't want people to get confused. Because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to confuse people, and he wants to start making people go, oh, tell us, Jesus, where do you come from? What are they talking about? Hello, okay? Jesus didn't come to do all that stuff. He was on a mission. And when we get to uh, the Gospels, when we actually begin with the ministry of Jesus, not John, because John says something, all right? He says, repent for the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of heaven is at hand, others say kingdom of God, okay? And then Jesus is going to say the same thing, and he is going to say that as his very first statement. And he is going to then reveal to us what his um, purpose was for coming, all right? He had a dual purpose, and he came... That, that was a job he had to do. Okay? And he doesn't want these guys getting in the way of what he's come to do. Alright? Very interesting. So, I've said here, this statement, when the demon says, have you come here to torment us before the time? What would Jesus want to torment them anyway? What have they done? When did they do it? Big question. So this statement makes no sense at all. If we didn't consider a time prior to Genesis 1-2, there is more time than we know of. Our universe is young, but there is another one where heaven is. God only knows how old that is. 
you understand? In fact, it began in eternity somewhere. All right? We don't know and how long all these things happened. Anyway, where it seems something significant occurred that warranted judgment by Jesus. Interesting. But that was to be reserved for a later date. Also notice, once again, there is instant recognition. They actually knew him by name and why Joseph was specifically instructed to call him Jesus. Would have been interesting if <laughs> Joseph and them called him something else and the demons go, you Jesus, and he goes, that's not my name there. They messed up the naming. <laughs> okay? Interesting, isn't it? They knew. Anyway, I won't go into that in too much detail because we can really pull that one apart. Mark 134. Here's our final proof. Then when he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, he did, watch, when he cast them out, he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Wow. Are you all with me? Okay. So he'd say, shut up on purpose. It's not like he didn't want to have a conversation with them. Whenever you allow the serpent to speak, he will always cause problems. He will bring strife. He will lie to you. He will do everything to pull things apart. So you shut him up. So don't listen, man. When he starts talking, just say, shut up. I don't have time for you. <laughs> okay? And you shouldn't have time for him. All right. It's obvious that Jesus didn't want these demons to reveal anything about his origins to the people there, especially the fact that they knew him from a previous time, which would have just confused and perplexed them even more than they already were. They were having trouble with him already. You know, this, this did not need this. All right. So let's return to Genesis 1.1 and look at what actually happened taking into account what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians 1.16, and that is, by him were all things created, both visible and invisible. See, we're so used to him creating the visible, we forget that Colossians said that he also created the invisible realm. Ta -da, ta -da, ta -da. Okay, think about this. In other words, the Apostle Paul clearly identifies two realms or dimensions that were brought into existence following creation, one visible, the other one invisible. The visible realm, commonly known as the natural realm, can be scientifically measured, understood, and explained by natural man. Let that soak. Okay? Yeah, to a point. All right? We're still not there, but we think we're there, but you know. Okay. All right? But the point I want to make here now is that, see, a lot of people have trouble, okay, with reconciling what the Bible says and what they can measure. That's the point I want to make, okay? Please get a hold of what I'm trying to say here. So we have certain Christians, well-meaning, that sort of say, no, 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 you know, the earth could be millions of years old, and we have carbon dating, which has been proven to be wrong, but anyway, won't go there. And, you know, just, we, we, we're using millions and billions and millions and billions, and we just throw those numbers out there to make sense of everything that the Bible says, because we can't imagine anything other than, okay, we know the Bible is true, and so it can't be so, the earth can't be so young, okay? Because we just can't make sense of some of the stuff that's going on here. Listen, what we have, we can measure, and if we measure it correctly, we'll know, okay? Even NASA has now proven that this thing isn't that old. That's the reason carbon dating and all this has come into question. And in fact, now they know that they've stuffed up. They, you know, let me just say that and move on. Okay? All right. But the thing is, 
Where's the explanation? Where's the time? Where'd it go? Why can't we measure it? Because it's not in this realm. It's in another realm. In that realm, if you were able to take instruments and go into that realm, oh dear Lord, you'd find stuff. And carbon dated or not, it would go back so far, you wouldn't know what to do with it. Remember, no time. All right, all right, okay. So, <laughs> part of me wants to race through it, part of me wants to go slow. I, I mean, I'm betwixt two places, all right, okay. All right. <clears throat> but not so with the invisible, the supernatural realm. It is much older than this natural realm and is what Genesis 1 1 points and refers to when it says again that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Here, uh, in this one verse, we can actually identify three different time periods. First is before the beginning, referring to eternity past, when God alone existed in full trinity. The second is the beginning of creation, when God first created the heavens. All right? This is the, the, the spiritual realm being created. And third is when then God created the earth. So, to me, when I look at this, I see this. Now, again, this is hypothetical from what I'm reading, okay? So please don't, if you have another thing, I don't mind. From what I can see, all right, God created, as he began, there was a time period when God existed by himself in Trinity, okay? The three of them are there, all right? And then he begins creating. And he creates the heavens, okay? Remember I told you that's dimensions that go on and space that goes on. Credible, you know, like so hard to grab a hold of that. And the next thing that he does is he creates an earth. But he's going to create an earth in view of heaven, all right, that both of them can see each other. There's no reason for him to, as I said before, and I'll, we'll see this in a minute, there's no reason at this point in time for another dimension. Why mess things up? Why complicate things? There's a heaven, there's an earth. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay, so just follow this. All right. Here's some things that I've said that would help with that thought. Since Jesus tells us in John 4.24 that, uh, that God is spirit, we can assume that the very first creation of heaven and earth took place in the spirit realm. There was no need yet for another dimension to be developed. Also from Psalm 148 verses 1 through 5, we are told that everything spiritual and natural were created by God's spoken words. It was a method of operation regardless. And I didn't get this when I was first looking. God kept pointing me back to this psalm and it drove me crazy because I didn't know what he was trying to say. And I said, God, I, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, angels. Th then you go to the sun and the moon. Then you go to heavens and heavens. You know, and I'm thinking, what are you trying to say here? And that's when I realized that he was trying to show me that whether it was things visible or invisible, all things were created by his word. Do you understand? And so we're going to get a glimpse into both realms now in this psalm. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts. So we've identified angels, okay? Praise him sun and moon, praise him all you stars of light. Oh, excellent. No, please don't be. Come on in. You can sit in the front, you can sit in the back. Your choice. I was looking forward to seeing you. All right, so, Pastor Samuel will catch you up on where 
we are in the page. Um, he says again here, Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Now, wait for it. Verse 5. For He commanded, and they, everything mentioned here, including the angels, were created. This is the reason why we praise Him. Because He created us. Amen? Because why do I need to praise God? Because you wouldn't be here. <laughs> okay? Alright. So these verses tell us two things of great importance and significance. I'm on page 9. Firstly, everything in the spirit realm, heavens of heavens and his angels, were created in the same way that the natural realm, sun and moon, were created through God's spoken word, which fits in perfectly with Genesis chapter 1, Hebrews 3, uh, 11, 3, and Romans 4, 17. The scriptures are at the bottom of your page. Okay, I've given all that to you. Secondly, from John 1, 3, also at the bottom of your page, and Colossians 1, 16, bottom, we know that all things were made by him, and more importantly, according to Colossians 1, 16, all things were created for him, which not only included all of the heavens, but all the angels, okay, referred to as his angels, as well as including, of course, Satan, all right? And in light of this fact, there may be much more to Matthew 4, 7, when Satan tries to tempt Christ, and it says that Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, I had always thought of that in terms of Satan saying, you know, tempt God and make him turn these you know, stones in the bread and everything else, and Jesus was going, oh, you know, you know, you shouldn't tempt God. Hang on a second. We have just found from Colossians that he created everything. Everything was created by him and for him. One of the things that were created for him is now in his face. <laughs> okay? Trying to tempt him. And what's his response? Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Okay? It's a double reference. I'll, I'll give you that. But I'm saying it's not just him tempting God the Father. It's him looking at his subordinate and saying, Don't you tempt your God either. I created you. I put you here. I can take you out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you just... We don't know what Jesus could have done, man. I mean, you know... Oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> I know he held a lot back. That's all I'll say. And he had to because he needed to show us what we could do. And if he went around flying stuff and, and doing things and flinging things in, you know, into motion and blah, 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 we would have just gone, okay, you know, that's it. That, forget it. Okay? One thing that a leader knows is don't ever do something so magnificent that you just totally, you know, all your followers are so disillusioned. They go, okay, that's it. Only he can do this. We'll just follow him. And if he drops dead, well, that's the end of it. You never do that. Why was Jesus comment all the time? Where's your faith? They get all excited. <gasps> he calmed the storm. And his thing isn't, yes, boys. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Try the veal. <laughs> I'll be here all week. Okay, all right? <laughs> it was never that. With him, it was like, God, gee, you're still missing it. You know, there was always irritation there. I feel like he was irritated. And we'll understand why there was an irritation when we understand. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is at hand. What did he mean? 
next, next book. Anyway, <laughs> okay, back to this. We've got enough to consider and enough to think about here. All right, so returning to Genesis 1-1, we understand that in the time period called the beginning, God created a multi-dimensional, never-ending universe, for lack of a better term. And in what we now understand to be the first dimension, also known as the spirit realm, God, in the form of Jesus Christ, created the first planet called heaven. All right? Just, just giving you things to think about. Now, although its dimensions are not revealed, the size of it, that is, as we progress through this study, we will find descriptions of heaven the way it was when first created. And when we get to chapter Revelation, chapter 21, we'll also find something or some fascinating information about the f future city that is within. It's massive. All right? For the moment, however, let's go on to look at the main focus of this section, those magnificent beings that God created at some undisclosed time to populate the spirit realm called angels. Okay? Because right now it's just God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's it. All right? So in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, the Apostle John says, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. Okay, that's a lot. Until recently, this number was too great to calculate. However, with the new technology and computer software, we can now say with some certainty that the number mentioned here calculates to about one trillion. That's a lot of zeros. Okay? All right. And since these are all that remained after one-third fell from Revelation 12.4, that means that there must have been about 1.5 trillion angels initially created. So remember, these are the angels that were in heaven. Okay? So that number only reflects what stayed. We know that a third fell. So we do the math, and we get 1.5 trillion. All right? Now, unlike humans, angels cannot reproduce being all male with themselves. Okay, now there's going to come a time in Genesis chapter 6, they're going to do naughty things. Alright, but we're not there yet. Alright. <coughs> so here again, they can't reproduce their own kind. Can I say that? You can't, they can't have more little baby angels. Alright, so all little pictures of little baby angels, the puffy little things. No, 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 don't exist. Okay? It's a really bad picture. Alright? Okay. So, <laughs> That being the case, since they're all male, once God finished creating these 1.5 trillion angels, their number would remain the same from that day forward. So the angels, their number has never changed. Okay? So everything in the unseen realm, alright, whether they are angels or what we call demons, what I know to be fallen angels, alright, and the further away they get from God, the worse their appearance becomes. If you can think about this, you know, when man fell, we started to age. Do you all hear? We were never meant to age. Right? And can you imagine what happened when the angels fell? And they can't die. They can't die. All that happens is they just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I don't know how long it's been going on for. Are you all with me? Some, for some reason, I think, can hold a certain amount of their shape because of the caliber and class of angel they were. But from what I understand and read, again, this is hypothetical. All right? 
from what I read and understand, there are others that lower on the class, on the, on the chain, that God only knows what all they look like. We get some idea about some of the descriptions later on when we get to the Gospels. I will look at some of those descriptions and talk to you about them. All right? They're hairy, they look like monkeys, some of them, but not all. So don't think every demon is a monkey. Okay? <laughs> all right? All right. Uh, two more minutes, three more minutes. Let's see what we can do. <clears throat> now, in an effort to be thorough, there is a single scripture. I, did, I was fighting with myself whether to put it in or not, and I decided I'll put it in. Because I don't want somebody to jump out sometime in your future and go, Yeah, but this tells you there's female angels. So I'm going to pick the one scripture. The one, one, one. One scripture, okay? That talks about, that seems to talk about maybe a female angel. So let's look at it. All right. There is a single scripture in all of God's word that could be misinterpreted to show that not all angels are male. And it is found in Zechariah chapter 5 where it says, verses 5 through 11, Then the angel who was talking with me came forward and said, Look up, something is appearing in the sky. What is it, I asked. And he replied, It is a basket for measuring grain. And it is filled with the sins of everyone throughout the land. Interesting visuals, isn't it? Okay. When the heavy lead cover was lifted off the basket, interesting that it had a heavy lead cover, okay, there was a woman sitting inside it. The angel said the woman's name is wickedness, and he pushed her back into the basket and closed the heavy lid again. Then I looked up and saw two women flying toward us with wings gliding on the wind. Their wings were like those of a stork, and they picked up the basket and flew with it into the sky. Where are they taking the basket? I asked the angel. He replied to the land of Babylonia, where they will build a temple for the, for the basket, and when the temple is ready, they will set the basket there on its pedestal. Now, over the page, page 11. All scholars agree. Okay? This is a shock to me, because normally somebody has another opinion. <laughs> but all the scholars that I studied, all of them agree that the woman with the wings, or the women, excuse me, with the wings in verse 9 are not angels, but representations of either two nations or two individuals that carry wickedness swip, swiftly away, for various reasons, from the nation of Israel. All right? Now, it is because of these kind of passages that have an alternate meaning that what the Jews have done now is taken a lot of the things that we're talking about Jesus Christ and his actual appearance and coming and so on and so forth and said, oh no, you know, this is the nation of Israel and when they talk about, you know, the anointed one, that's the nation of Israel and they start to, you know, they, they do this with those scriptures. Okay? There is a time when this is happening and the scholars usually will agree when something is given to you in a picturesque form so that you can understand. We, 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 we comprehend better in pictures than we do in words. Do you understand? Okay. So if you can see a picture of something, and that's the way, you know, when you're studying, that's one of the things, key things that they tell you, picture things. So that the picture will come into your mind and you can actually figure it out. If you forget all the words, the picture will help you to piece it back together. I, I do that often. Anyway. 
So once again, this leads us back to the conclusion that every angel, we'll finish with this, mentioned in the Bible is masculine, and therefore they cannot reproduce, and their numbers will never change throughout all eternity. So what this tells us is Satan can't, okay, now this is, this is the key thought, Satan cannot get all of his little angels down there and get them breeding and suddenly go from, you know, uh, half a trillion to about six trillion by the end like what he's trying to do with some of the people on this planet that are following him. He can't do that. Alright? Because they're limited in their number. Alright, and that's a key thing. Also, unlike God, angels are finite beings, dependent on space and time. In other words, they are not omnipotent or all-powerful, they're not omnipresent everywhere at the same time, nor omniscient, nor all-knowing. And why Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Alright, we'll stop there, and we'll pick it up after the break.